Welcome to Keeping Students in Mind, Understanding Student Mental Health Research, the second series brought to you by All Things Mental Health, Smarten, and King's College London. I'm Titus Joseph. I'm a student at the University of Nottingham doing my Master's in Public Health. Today, we're going to be exploring the theme of mental health of mature students in higher education. I'm delighted to be speaking with Dr. Patricia Jackman, who is an Associate Professor of Sport and Exercise Psychology at the University of Lincoln. In her research, Trish has been working towards exploring the experience of postgraduate students and their mental health. As part of the Smarten-funded project, she has developed principles for student inductions that improve connectedness and a sense of belonging among postgraduate students. Among many other things, Trish is also a cross-country runner. Today, we're going to explore some of the learnings from her research with postgraduate students and see how they can be applied to mature students. Thank you so much, Trish, for being here today. Thank you, Tavis, for the invite, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you. Trish, just to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your research with postgraduate students and what got you interested in looking into this? Yeah, so I guess people may see my my role and my area of expertise being sport and exercise psychology and maybe ask the question. So I think thank you for giving me the opportunity to explain my position, I think, at the start of this podcast. So I studied my PhD from 2014 to 2017. And subsequent to that, I guess, for me, I was interested in supervising doctoral students, uh, doctoral researchers, and happened to a year after um, obtaining my own doctorate, I started my own supervision experience. And I guess for me, as soon as I got started in my full time role, after my PhD, I wanted to know more about how I could support doctoral researchers through their studies. And I guess for me, in some ways, it came from a degree of personal experience in terms of having some challenges along the way in my own journey. And I happened to go along to a mental health and higher education first aid course. And on that day, we were asked to talk about why we were there and I explained that I had an interest in doctoral supervision and this was an area that you know I felt was going to be important for me moving forward in supporting doctoral researchers and on that day it just so happened that there was a colleague of mine who I hadn't met previously who was in the room and she also had a similar interest so we ended up having uh, lunch together that day and from there uh, myself and, and Kelly Sisson uh, collaborated on our first research project together um, about uh, a year or so after that point. And I guess that's really how it started. We developed a real passion for that. And obviously that was hugely aided by um, our work with Smarten and being able to have a research project funded by them. So a little bit of an unusual way to get into this area, but I'm so delighted that that chance encounter has led on to so many uh, wonderful let's say, outcomes from that in terms of who I've been able to meet and some of the, the areas and passions I've been able to take forward as well. It was really nice to hear how your personal experiences and um, 
a lunch at sowed the seed to researching such an important issue. And sometimes the most unusual ways are the best ways to get started with research. Trish, one of the things I'm interested in in today's podcast is to explore the mental health of mature students. For our listeners, generally speaking, you're considered a mature student if you begin your undergraduate degree after the age of 21. Mature postgraduate students are informally counted as those who are aged 26 and above. Mature students are more likely to be underrepresented in higher education and can face different barriers to accessing and succeeding in their studies. I see myself as a mature student who started a master's at the age of 33. And some of the things that affect my mental health often appear to be slightly different than what younger colleagues in my cohort encounter. I'm curious to understand the themes you came across when you were speaking to other postgraduate and mature students. Yeah, I think thanks for setting the scene. I think it's definitely when you say it like that in terms of what the categorizes or defines a mature student, it's it just introduces so much complexity to it. And actually, um, you shared your own story there about being a mature student. I was actually about myself doing another a piece of study last year myself. So I've kind of been able to get that other side of it being a mature student as well and trying to juggle that alongside a job. And I think, you know, there are just a whole multitude of factors, I would say, that we need to consider when we're thinking about postgraduate students, doctoral researchers as well. Um, And I think from that perspective, there's probably a, a number of different elements that we often see in this literature, certainly in the postgraduate research year. And I think one of the first ones that I often think about, and particularly because of our own work has been focused around the transition in the early stage of doctoral research, is this idea of acculturation and actually becoming part of a culture. Now that could be in terms of you move country. Um, so you may move to a different region, be it in a different country, in a a different city, whatever it may be. And that in and of itself presents challenges and stresses. You know, you're moving to a new culture, you're maybe having to find new networks within that setting. You may know nobody. Um, And for a mature uh, student, that may be somewhat challenging because again, if we think about a lot of the societies that are often at universities, for example, they're often, I guess, probably more likely to be full of a lot of undergraduate students. So I guess finding that place where you belong can be somewhat challenging in that regard. In linked into this point, I suppose I also think about just the the practicalities of what you were doing and what your background had been prior to that. And you know, if we look at postgraduate research, for example, that, that type of study is quite different to anything that you will encounter generally speaking, in higher education. Um, for many people, it's you you come through your undergraduate taught, your postgraduate taught, and then you move into doctoral research where you are an independent scholar. And that in and of itself can present real challenges in terms of the isolation that people may encounter. And then if they're struggling to maybe connect with peers and develop those peer groups and peer networks, then again, that sense of belonging can become really difficult to be able to develop and to feel. So 
I think that's one thing, certainly in terms of for mature students is actually being able to find that sense of belonging within an institution. Um, and I think also linking to that point around the, the background that someone may have. When we think about the actual type of study and activities that we will do as students or as doctoral researchers, um, there's a very particular way in which we work and the structure of our day will likely vary very significantly to maybe our past role that we may have had in our profession, for example. And again, you know, we've I've interviewed many people um, across the kind of spectrum of professional experiences prior to returning to education. I think one of the challenges often is, is how your role shifts. And I guess that will also link into your identity that you suddenly become a student again. Um, whereas, you know, in many cases and in some cases, those people have actually been educators for their whole lives as well, or they've been in leadership roles. And in that respect, it can be quite a change. And again, if I look at something like um, doctoral research, where it can be quite independent and can be quite isolated, that can be very challenging, especially if you've been away from education for a period of time as well. So I think they initially would be some of the points, I guess, more so around the acculturation side of things. And then I think you introduce a whole host of personal circumstances that can have an impact. So, you know, someone may be trying to hold down a job and they may be employed, they may be studying part-time and that in and of itself can present challenges as how they will actually juggle their study with their work. And I guess for many mature students also, they're at, they may be at a point where they may have families, they may have caring responsibilities, which again adds another dimension in terms of how do they fit into the traditional model that we have for being a student? And with that also, I think, is how will they attend? Um, and there's, you know, bodies of work starting to emerge now around being a distance learner. What does distance learning and that experience look like relative to those who may be on campus? But also the challenges that come with that and being able to balance life with being a mature student and any additional life responsibilities you may have as well. So I think initially they're just a bit of a flavor, I guess, of some of the, the key areas I would feel that we've kind of been able to identify through the literature and also through some of our own work in relation to doctoral researchers. A lot of the things that you said resonated with me, just starting with the acculturation bit. You know, when I, I moved here about six months ago from another country, and I, it took me some time uh, in general just to get settled in, in terms of um, the whole education system here. And at the same time, some of the things that you spoke about in terms of isolation, um, building new connections, being a mature student, I, I kind of struggled with you know, making those social connections initially. And I think that that had an impact on my mental health early on uh, as I started my course here. And piled on to that, something that you mentioned about personal circumstances in terms of uh, finances. 
one of the things that really really got me down um during the the transition process was moving from a person who had the identity of being an earner uh, somebody who was able to have um expenses that they could meet to somebody who had to cut down on expenses significantly and also maybe ask for money from people who who were then now supporting you that was a huge kind of uh, challenge both emotionally as well as practically for me so i think in many ways i really related to some of the things that you said yeah um, and i think um certainly the financial challenges that can be encountered will be amplified by the current scenario that we generally have I suppose in the UK as well but I can certainly empathize in terms of the challenges of being an international student and certainly when I came to the UK you know, simple things like of you didn't have proof of address for a while if it was hard to set up a bank account and these are the small practical things but actually they can be quite stressful when you do move and um I think it's definitely really important that there are supports there for you know international students and mature students to support that transition into that education absolutely and speaking about support i think that brings us very nicely into uh, the question that i had about um, interventions that that could potentially help deal with some of these issues so i'm curious to understand some of the interventions that are out there and i'm also really curious to understand about some of the interventions that you've worked with that have alleviated some of these challenges when it comes to mental health for postgraduate and mature students. Yeah, absolutely. So when we I guess looked at our research over the last couple of years we've been I guess able to identify from the the postgraduate side of things some core principles and we've written about these through one of our papers which was about co-designing inductions to support postgraduate research in mental health and particularly those in the early stages um, so just to give a bit of context i think to that paper as well and where we were coming from on that um, when we look at a lot of the the literature around mental health in doctor researchers often what we tend to see is that there is kind of a focus around how we will i guess when researchers have an issue that's when we provide support and what we were really interested in was i guess in seeing how could we actually support people prior to that so prior to the point at which it, it reaches that stage where actually um we're in a position that they can actually prevent um some of these issues arising um so through that work and and through that paper we developed these five principles and um this was in partnership with or uh, through this co-design method so we worked with 47 doctoral researchers and 13 uh staff members at a uh, university And what we want to know is, you know, if you were coming on to an induction program, what would that look like? And I guess one of the the issues we had is that when we actually went to look at the literature in this area, we couldn't really find interventions. Um there were no specific interventions in our systematic review that were specifically focused on the early stages of doctoral research. So from that perspective, it pointed towards a real 
lack of evidence in relation to informing inductions to support uh, research or mental health in doctoral education. So in that respect, this study really filled a gap. Um, and these five principles are points that we've now started to share widely across the UK. Um, We've also tried to identify, are they being used? And this is something that we're trying to do more of now is to establish, you know, are people being able to use these and what do they look like in practice? And I guess the, the core principles that we worked with were firstly, the importance of peer connections. Um, so forging strong relationships was considered to be key. And that was by all our participants when we, reverted back to them and shared with them some of the ideas. What we found was that peer support and connecting with peers was so important. And there were a number of different ways through which they suggested that we could do that. And through our findings, we've identified some specific actionable strategies that can be uh, undertaken. And one that I really think about when it comes to mature students is the idea of storytelling. And one you know, really prominent thing we found as we spoke to these doctoral researchers that it was almost like they didn't have a map. They didn't know what they were going to be encountering on the doctoral journey. They had no kind of sense of what direction it may go in. And there was a lot of uncertainty. But what they said was that what would be so valuable in those early stages is that if we could learn from the stories of those who've already been through the journey, or or who are slightly more advanced than us. And from that, you can see that that gives an opportunity to actually learn. And many spoke about the importance of being paired up perhaps or buddied up with other peers who you can actually learn from and who you can ask the questions that you may worry about asking your supervisor. And I think that's really important that you have those peer connections. So for me, the first principle we've identified through this work is the importance of peers. Second one is around the supervisory relationship. And it's really integral to have those clear expectations, clarity around the working style, and also what goals you're working towards. And we found that that is really key and really important. And getting that fit of the supervisor and researcher is so integral. Um, and I think from a mature student perspective, that is really integral in terms of actually feeling as though you know you can go to your supervisor for support. You can ask them those questions, and I guess in some instances, you know, there may actually be um, differences in age in those relationships as well, and that's another factor to consider in that uh, too. But ultimately, what's really key is having that strong relationship. Another key intervention, I think, and aspect that came through the findings was making sure that student services have support that are going to be uh, accessible to mature students. So what we found is that at times some of the postgraduate researchers often found that some services that we have, be they well-being or different supports, they're often geared towards the undergraduate student. And often postgraduate researchers weren't certain if those supports were for them. Now, if we add another dimension to that and we add in the mature aspect to that, you know, that can then pose a challenge where are these services which are very much geared towards 
people who are probably 18 to 21 and equipped and opportunities for me to gain support. And I think that's a really important thing to make sure that those services are promoted in a way that mature students do feel that that's their place. They feel that they can get that support because we know that that perceived support is so integral. So even if they never access it, at least if they know that that support is there and that they can access it, that's really key. Other things we found as well was the importance of information and resources. So when we start off at university, often it's quite challenging. We need to get used to a different system. Where do I find all my content? Where are all the regulations? Where are the procedures, the processes? Where are the forms that I need to fill in? And if we don't have them in a way uh, that is really accessible, that's convenient, that's easy for people to work through, that in and of itself is going to become a stress that's really unnecessary. So ensuring that any information or resources we have are accessible to people uh, and that also that they're supporting that transition as opposed to maybe being detrimental to the level of stress people may experience. And what was also suggested, and I think it's a really helpful way of framing this, is often when we have an induction, everything is kind of thrown at us on that first day and you get every bit of information most of which is really not that relevant to your first day. And that can be very overwhelming. So many uh, of the researchers spoke about the value of a long, thin induction rather than kind of very heavy opening. So that's another really good suggestion, I think, for people. And then the final thing was around training and development. So when a mature student comes back into education, potentially after quite a considerable gap, there may be concerns about their capabilities in certain areas, be it around research methods, writing style. And in that respect, it's really important to ensure that they have an opportunity to be able to identify those areas that they may need further development in, but also aligned with that, have clear signposting to support that is going to enable them to grow in those particular areas and ultimately to thrive. And I think for me, that's really important to ensure that we have those supports in place that are really accessible and that are ultimately going to be um, beneficial to the mature students when they return. So we spoke about these as kind of our five principles to inform inductions that aim to support mental health and well-being in doctoral researchers. So that's kind of where I'm coming from in relation to those five principles and some suggestions what we can do to support that group. That's really fascinating. I think when I was listening to you, every part of those five principles, I could think of examples in my head of where I felt similar. For example, when you talked about student services being um, available and actually accessible and the perceived accessibility, I remember uh, when a lot of the initial induction programs and other things were set up at my university, I was a little hesitant about whether this was for me because I, I'm a mature student. Maybe this is for the younger group. You know, I, I had a lot of these questions that prevented me from engaging with everything from everyday activities to active support that the university provides. So these are very real questions. And I think it's important to, um, you know, address some of those when it comes to interventions within universities. I completely agree with the idea of a long, thin induction. Uh, at the beginning of any course, you, there's a lot of 
things that are thrown at you in terms of information and some of that information won't even come to use until six months later and if that's rolled out in a short burst format i think that i personally think that would have been really beneficial for me as well my next question to you uh, trish is you know some of these things are things that universities are aware of in some way or another what do you think are the barriers or potential barriers that would prevent universities and systems from adopting some of these principles into everyday action and everyday implementation yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think we'd have to do a few podcasts to probably get to the, the bottom of it. But I think for me, certainly there can be real challenges in higher education right now. Like any sector, um, it's been heavily impacted by the pandemic. We see financial constraints and cuts and so on across the sector. And I think from that perspective, often there can be challenges with actually resourcing some of these elements. I think there's also an element that's really important to note around the workloads of many academics as well. And being able to support academics to be able to, I guess, engage in maybe some of the training around this can be quite challenging. So I think, you know, we've certainly found that there's been really good receptiveness to a lot of this um, and we know that some of this work is being implemented which is so positive um, and I think ultimately you know there are a lot of complexities and right now I think there's probably a lot of challenges in the higher education sector which I think slowly but surely um, hopefully we're moving forward from but I think for me, I think resourcing is always going to be a challenge and is a challenge. But also we have a culture in academia around kind of work and challenges around work-life balance. Um, and I think that in and of itself creates an environment that isn't necessarily the most conducive to optimising mental health and well-being. So I think we have a way to go, but there's probably a number of different factors, you know, even much more broadly then uh, doctoral researchers or postgraduate students that there can be challenges with implementation. And I think some of those challenges are very real. Um, I, I recently just read um, someone tweet this out about how, you know, the mental health of, of the the faculty and, and the teaching staff directly impact the mental health of the students that they serve. And it's important to provide structures to kind of balance that for the faculty as well that will in turn trickle down to the students. My final question to you is for the researchers listening out there who are thinking about strengthening the literature around interventions and improving a sense of belonging among postgraduate and mature students. What do you think are the important themes that needs to be explored a bit further? Yeah, I think it's a really good question and I think for me, firstly, what would be really valuable, I think, firstly, is to understand the stories of those who've been in the process. So I think there's so much we can learn from the lived experience of people, the stories they share. I think also from that understanding, what is it that you would have liked to have known? Uh, what 
would have helped you along the way, I think is so important. And to put in place some form of support that is tailored to the mature student upon pre-arrival, I would say, you know, that they have kind of support that they can access. There are resources there that will ultimately connect with and are spoken from the voices of people that are like them. And I think that's so integral. I think the second thing is how do we foster a sense of belonging among mature students when there are often differences there for them? And I think for me, that's what I'd be curious to see as to how can we support engagement for mature students within a university, university campus, within a, a group, um, in order for them to feel as though they belong. So what would peer connections look like? And I think also being able to consider, you know, those supervisory relationships as well. You know, how much guidance do supervisors have around working with mature students? And I think that will be really valuable to understand the complexities of those relationships, to see what is it in a supervisory researcher relationship that actually nurtures their basic psychological needs and being able to feel as though they belong in that institution and also as though they feel part of academia as well. Um, so I think for me, there'd be a number of key areas, but I think this could go in so many different directions as well. But for me, I think stories and understanding the, the lived experience of, of people who've been on that journey is so valuable. Um, and also sharing those stories and what that can do, the power of stories and what they can do in practice. I think uh, I'd love to be able to explore that more. Absolutely. I think uh, that's something that I, I hope the people listening out there can also take on as new research themes when they are uh, looking at mental health research among students. Thank you so much for speaking with us, Trish. It was a real pleasure to speak to you. Thank you, Titus. I've really enjoyed it. And if anyone would like to follow up after today, more than happy for them to get in touch with me via email or to check out any of the publications on this work too. In more ways than one, this conversation has been extremely validating for me. And I hope it has been the same for some of the listeners out there. You can find more information on the amazing work that Trish is doing on, in the podcast description. Thank you again for tuning in.